about buying your own leather elbowed sweaters. No, she bought this. Oh. All, my, all my clothes are still from my second wife. God love her. Oh, she was so nice when we uh, came over. She gave us her car for the first week that we were in town and offered us to stay at her house. And I was like, wow, that's more than Mike and Kristen did for us. Well, we've offered to have you here yeah, and no, feed you carbonated no. water. and No, it's not like that. Really? They offered you a goddamn mango bubbly. Yeah, mango tastes great. Deathly okay. allergic to pineapple, but anyway, <laughs> we'll see what happens. It's all artificial flavors anyway, so you're fine. Yeah, how's that? Is that a good level? Yeah, you can go even a little closer. There you go. How do you feel? Uh, I feel good. I yeah. feel like I'm almost 50. How old are you? Oh, we won't say it on air here, Tony. Oh, I would. I would keep I, that a secret. I will be 50 years old on June 21st. The summer solstice, we were talking about the universe earlier. Um, and I'm looking forward to 50 because I, I did not think I was going to get there. Well, what, what did you do in your life <laughs> that made you feel like you were not going to get to 50, Tony? Um, well, let's bring this way back. Well, for first off, we're here with our good friend, Tony Ronalds. He just he, flew in from Australia to be Australia here as well. To do this. You guys paid for the flight, so I sure. I just showed up on the private. It's all class here. Kristen and Mike Plane. You guys there was a it was a seven eight seven. I was the only person on there. Logo of our face on the side. Yeah, it was it was yeah. weird. But I Did was, you like the little touch of the flight attendants only wearing masks of me? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody looked like Mike with a five day scruff. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So, Tony, I met you when I first decided to follow music as a career. Move, quit university. Good move. Move to the city. <laughs> and, but we got a shitty apartment in, the, in Halifax. And our neighbor just happened to be from the award-winning national touring band called Kilt. I don't think we won anything. I think we were just nominated. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> the many times nominated band Kilt. Who had Get a, this man an award. Who had a wealth of knowledge and experience to bestow upon our young 19-ish year old band. And nothing I liked more than 19-year-old boys. Well, we there was five of us there. For Perfect. Perfect. I actually haven't heard this story, and Mark, Mike started to tell this is it your to husband, me. By the way. Yeah, my old boss's name was Mark, and they used to be side <laughs> and your by old boyfriend. Well, <laughs> but I consider it. I used to send them, Mike and Mark, my boss, texts like sometimes to the wrong person, Perfect. so that got very embarrassing at times as well. But Mike started to tell me the story of when you met, which I haven't heard yet. And I said, no, no, save it until he gets here. I want to hear this for the first time from both of you. I can't wait to see how long you stay in this room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we moved into this, this shithole and Tony was living in a shithole beside us. Oh. And uh, I remember we were just out in the, the backyard one day, brought all our guitars out. And we started to play, and Tony, you were on a balcony. You were, like, high up there. Of course. And, uh, well, I think it became apparent to him that we were we were a young band, and he, he could be our mentor. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to talk about music, and I loved, uh, from what I can recall, to talk about what not to do. 
Um, that was, I had this special gift at one point in my life, I was going to start a management company and I was going to manage bands and it was going to be called, uh, what was it going to be called? Failure. Oh, failure to succeed. No, it was just going to be called failure management. <laughs> like it, which I think sums up the perfect, uh, recipe for anyone in the music industry. Like you're not managing the successes. You're just managing the failures and the intermittent success that pops up in between. So if, as you said, like I'm a five time ECMA loser. Now that took me three separate awards uh, or years. That took me three years. You guys accomplished that in one night. Like you guys were sitting there. Oh, always one upping, aren't you? Yeah. (laughs) Who who did you continuously lose to? (laughs) Well, we were nominated. I, at one point we were nominated against the Rankin family, Sloan and great big C. And when I think about those three names, kilt just doesn't pop up or resonate, um, with, with the greatness of those bands, especially but you, but in in your heyday, Tony, you guys were uh, you were selling out venues all around the East Coast. You you had a, a big following, and maybe maybe they went on to do some some more things. But you you guys were uh, w- with them at a time. We did, and I I guess I I've never equated it. Well, I'm sober. I've never equated it with anything that I was doing. Now drunk or high, I would tell you I was directly responsible for anything that happened. (laughs) But as I reflect back and I think about it, it had nothing to do with the band. It had everything to do with the fans. Yeah. And at that point in time, we didn't have the same access to social media. We didn't have, there was, you would pick up the phone and you would say, Hey, Kristen, um, my band's playing down at the split crow on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, really hoping you could make it out. And you'd say, ah, yeah, see if I can get a couple folks head down. Yeah. And, you know, if you thought that they might have an email account that they checked more than once a week, you'd send them an email. At the shows, you were always collecting email addresses. Like this was before you just go on Facebook, you post a funny picture, and then you just say the time and date and and people magically appear. Um, but going back, Full circle. I think it had everything to do with the individuals coming out to the shows and not so much what we were doing as a band. We were, the band was great. But you, you created that environment that they wanted to be a part of. Yes. Or we just got lucky and we got lucky time and time again. I mean, we played at this place called the Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto, legendary horseshoe tavern. Um, we played there and every Cape Bretoner in Toronto <laughs> showed up <laughs> for the first set, drank themselves into oblivion, rolled out the door to start the night. And then everybody else that had shown up was allowed in. And we had this incredible turnover and the manager came in at the end of the night and he said to me, he's like, you guys broke the Sky Dickers uh, sales record. <laughs> like your first time in, like, you, what are you doing in two months? Can you do a Friday and Saturday? And I'm like, I 
think so if we can afford the gas money to get here. (laughs) (laughs) You pay us good enough, we'll be here. Yeah. And it was always a door deal there. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, it was funny. I I was in in that back parking lot. We had just finished loading in and this Jaguar pulled up. And I was like, wow, like, that's a Jaguar. You know, you don't see many of those in Port Hawkesbury. Maybe Billy Joe would have one or something (laughs) like that. But you... uh, you just, you have to stop and it's your first time seeing one of these luxury cars. And, uh, I was just staring at it and the guy gets out and he, he goes, uh, uh, what do you think, Jack? And I'm like, oh, sorry. I was just like looking at your car. I, and he's like, no, no, you must be Jack's kid. Are you? You look just like him. And I'm like, oh yeah. He's like, well, I, I heard his kid was playing here tonight and I'm just trying to get tickets. Uh, I'm wondering if you might be able to hook me up. I'm like, yeah, for sure. You know, back alley of the Horseshoe Tavern and <laughs> your dad's friend rolls up looking to get in for free and he's driving a Jag, of course. Was he, a, he was a Cape Bretoner, an Absolute, expat absolutely. in Toronto, heard, heard news that spread like wildfire. That this band was coming in and he was somehow connected to the lead singer's father. Did you find your fans, because I see this in Mike's band, The Town Heroes, the fans at one point didn't necessarily know each other, and now they're all best friends because of going to shows. I think it was the opposite with us. Yeah. <laughs> it broke up friendships. <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't break up friendships, but it was almost like this rivalry to see who was the closest to the band. Yeah. Like, who knew the guitar player the best? Oh, well, I'm his cousin, or I'm his... You know, it was almost like a rivalry to see who was the closest to the band Mm -hmm. now i also had a very like i'm a a, a serial non-monogamist and in that instance you know there would i was also dating at the time i probably shouldn't have been i was married but anyway um (laughs) but it was here for the truth yeah it's all the truth um it was like how do i keep this person away from that person how can i like it was a whole other level of of uh how to manage your fans i guess so let's let's take this back a little bit further mr ronalds oh no um so before i met you before kilt made their their run before you went on your six month uh am i allowed to say Cocaine binge? Cocaine binge. I, get, I, I think that's... <laughs> is that allowed on the air? That's allowed on the air. Okay. Uh, again, we, we don't have to talk about anything you... you uh, I, I feel like you're you're open to pretty king, much anything. Ladies and gentlemen. We've already covered the non-monogamy, so let's get into the cocaine. <laughs> yeah. So you, 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 told when, uh, you told me that when uh, I first met you, that you met... You meet people in life, like, periodically... And they have these stories where you had these interactions, like for fairly long periods of time, like whatever, live with someone for a month or, and you're like, I just have no recollection of you. Well, it's so funny. So I'm playing in Calgary at, um, like a street festival. I forget what it's called. The Lilac Festival or something like that. And, and, and the front man for this band can't show up. So this guy calls me up and he's like, Hey, can you come front my band? And I'm, like that doesn't happen every day. Yeah, uh, that's a that's a challenge. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm like, okay, I'm in, and I go down, and as I come off the stage after sound check, this girl comes up to me and she's like, "Are you Tony from Kilt?" And I'm like, "I certainly am, beautiful redheaded lady." <laughs> um, she's like, 
and Amy's your cousin? I'm like, I, yeah, I have a cousin, Amy. Yeah. I'm like, yep. And now I'm feeling uncomfortable and I just kind of, I have to go get a drink mm. and I walk away. We finish our first set. And as we come off the stage, she's walking towards the stage, but of course the bathrooms are right there. So I figure she's going to the bathroom and she's like, Hey, Tony, could I have a word with you? And I'm like, for sure. And I'm kind of standing there and she introduces herself to me and I'm like, Oh, it's very nice to meet you. She goes, no, we lived together for three months. <laughs> Ooh. And I'm like, oh, this is so awkward. Well, That's I... a good period of time, too. Yeah, apparently. Um, it is a good period of time. And apparently my guitar player couldn't believe that this beautiful lady would be associated with me in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> and he just had to shake his head and he's like, how are you even alive? Like, how do you not remember this? And, um, it, it was one of those moments where, like you said, I've had periods of my life that are just missing. I have no recollection of what's transpired. And I, and I do attribute that to, uh, a lot of drug abuse and, and poor lifestyle choices, I think would be one way to look at it. And you're, you're now sober for how, how many years? I'm sober. I haven't drank in, it'll be eight years what month are we in may now may so eight years and 11 months wow yeah. just, just say nine years good for you uh, <laughs> not there yet yeah okay. yeah not there yet yeah well, yeah it's it's and it's a completely different thing because you know i've had periods of sobriety and it's funny because when i look back at the start of kilt i was not drinking i was not doing drugs things got really good really fast and then i was like oh i'm gonna try to make this even better with drugs and alcohol and then i was jobless like as quick as there was this rise there was the fall and then the whole dealing with life on life's terms as as, uh, as some would say uh i was not handling it in a professional or i guess a good way um, because I can just continue to try to get back there without taking that first step, which was probably like, let's get rid of the drugs and alcohol and make a conscious effort to go about it and do it with some meaning or purpose. It was just, I'm just going to keep doing this and things should go back to normal at some point. Cause I, I met you in that phase. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> your, your initial band had, had the rise and fall <laughs> and <laughs> you were starting starting up again and with another group of people and like you said you didn't you didn't leave that world off uh well partying and uh, no. whatnot I, th I thought you could just you could just do it again now some bands can or some people can i can't yeah i really can't and you know it's one thing that i'm grateful for it's uh cell phones that i probably should have turned off but um <laughs> I'm, I'm just grateful for having gone through that as strange as that, as that sounds like having that experience coming out the other side alive and still functioning, mm -hmm. but just having it, being able to look back there. And now, as I say, or as I've been taught as I play the tape forward. So it's like, oh, I'd really like to have 
something other than a carbonated I'm going to say mango drink. You're not getting anything better than that here, buddy. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, ah, I, th- I think I'm okay. I could have that drink. And then I play the tape for it. It's like, no, like you're going to wake up in Winnipeg. Like that's what's going to happen. Do you feel like the, like starting that path of addiction, you attribute that to achieving some level of success? And was it a celebratory response? Was it because you had more money? Or do you feel like it's something that was in you that was kind of triggered at some point? Well, I, th- I think, you know, there's definitely been a history of addiction and I've been in and out of it. So even in high school, mm. I was in grade five, literally under a bridge doing hot knives with my friend Brian, who brought down a gram of hash from Montreal. You know, he was in the big city and <laughs> the good stuff. This is grade five. Like yeah. we're so under a bridge with a propane you're torch. You're 11 or something. Right. And, you know, that was my first sort of delve into it, which mm-hmm. ended up with me passing out on a pool table and the owner of the pool hall going, get him in the back room. There's a mattress. Make sure he sleeps enough. Don't send him home till he's sober. <laughs> <laughs> you brought the shame into the pool hall. Yeah. Um, and, and it, you know, the, it was always a part of who I was. Mm-hmm. It just sort of like would go into remission. And then it would come back out Mm -hmm. and it seemed to come back out in times where I thought, oh, this would be a good time to celebrate. But it was the same thing. Oh, I was really sad. Uh, At university, I failed an exam and smoked a joint. Well, there you go. It didn't matter if it was happy or sad. I was always looking for a reason to sort of, I guess, relapse, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. And so eight years, 11 months now sober. Eight years, 11 months sober. Is it still a daily check-in for you? Every morning, I... Like, I just give thanks. I just mm-hmm. ask for help. I say, like, please get me through today. Mm-hmm. Um, don't piss off Gemma. And then <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day, I I just say thanks. I mean, sorry. Mm-hmm. So if, because I'm, I'm, I'm a handful at the best of times, and I know that. And no you? one knows that oh, yeah. more than my, my beautiful wife, Gemma. Um, you'll figure it out soon, Bo. But, you know, I just. Baby Bo. Baby Bo. I, I just have to say, like, I'm sorry, as quick as I can, and then thanks. So that's kind of the routine, and that's been dialed back. I mean, at first, when I went into rehab the last time, um, it was three meetings a day, seven days a week. So in less, I did 100 meetings in like a month. Wow. And in Nova Scotia? No, I went, this was rehab in, in Calgary okay. at a great place uh, that I, I found, which is another hilarious story. But anyway, I found this great place. They have a, a wonderful program. It's, it's AA based. And I went in there and at first they wouldn't let me stay. They're like, you can't stay. You're going to do the inpatient. So you're going to go home. And then you're going to drive in every morning and you have to be here by nine o'clock and then you leave at three o'clock and you have to go to your last meeting outside of the house. Um, but you have to make sure you get this documented and get somebody to sign this piece of paper to say that you went to a meeting. And, uh, I did that for two weeks. And then at the end of the two weeks, they're like, you're done. You've passed. And I said, I am terrified. Um, I've never felt better in my life and I'm sure I'm going to mess this up so how about if i move in here and they were like no uh you want to what 
You're like, I'm really good with roommates. They're like, but you're, you've, <laughs> you, we've signed off. Like, you can go back to work now. You've got everything. Yeah. And they're, and they've never had anyone. Like, once you get the piece of paper, most people just go back to work. Mm-hmm. And I just, I really wanted to get sober. I really wanted to get uh, a handle on on my life because it had spun out in control. Long story short, I was a flight attendant and I was basically planning my work schedule around where I could get the drunkest with the best weather. And I thought that was a good plan. Almost landed in Mexican jail that night. But anyway, <laughs> um, not the first time I'm sure <laughs> someone's done that, but I, I asked to come into the house. It was a two week program. I stayed for three and a half months. Mm. And when I left, I, I went back home and I even brought one of the guys had been kicked out because he had been charged with a criminal offense, assaulting a police officer. And I thought he would make a great roommate. Let's bring him home and I'll have someone to attend meetings with. So one of us is alive today and, uh, I'm just grateful that I had my time with, with him. He was a wonderful guy, but, uh, it just taught me the, the actual depth of addiction yeah. and and I can joke around about it, but there is a real serious side to it. Not all of us make it. Yeah, of course. And after going through all this, you had, you're almost on like the third phase of your career. Really, <laughs> You moved to Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Start a music career there. Why not? You know, and have a kid yeah. after a reverse vasectomy. A vasectomy reversal. Yeah. That was, did, was that like a Kickstarter campaign? Or? I did a, a GoFundMe. A GoFundMe. <laughs> GoFundMe. Brilliant. Yeah. If anyone's we ever wanted to. We were very proud to donate to this thank cause. You. Yes. It, it, well, and what a great, great outcome. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, it's, it's been amazing and so amazing that it's, it's not just like this easy thing where you go in and you get an operation. Then you start to learn about things where your body actually um, creates anti-sperm. So your body has never been introduced to your reproductive stuff before. And when you get a vasectomy, a little bit of sperm is introduced into the body and the body's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't remember this when I did a scan at birth and it attacks it with Mm -hmm. anti-sperm. And I had the worst case scenario after my reversal. I had over 90% anti-sperm that were attaching to the head, tail, and body of the one thing that we needed to make babies. Yeah. So we were five days away from going and starting IVF, where they were going to take my stuff, wash it. Literally, that's what they say they're going to do. Wash off the anti-sperm and then fertilize some eggs and see what, what happens. And it was right around Christmas time and... Gemma had a Christmas party to attend and Gemma loves to just get shit faced at Christmas parties, <laughs> dance on tables, lose a job, whatever shit it is she, she wants to do. So, and I'm kidding. She, she just wanted to drink five bottles of champagne that night and she was late. That's a period thing, Mike. Oh, okay. I yeah. get it now. Yeah. There you go. So she was late and we have been trying for a year and nothing is more unfun than trying to have a baby. Mm. It is the worst. Yeah. And every month that disappointment of like 
the other night when you would hear another band's name called out. <laughs> um, when, when, uh, when you, when you hear or you see the negative result, it's just, it's heartbreaking. And then it's like, you got to build yourself up because you only have two weeks before you got to start trying again. And you got to be in a, in a good place and you're trying to keep that positive energy and, yeah. and everything. And after a year, like, it was just awful. Of course. Yeah. Awful. And we were trying things like Mosey baby and like, oh, it was just, I can't even tell you, like for me, I'm a very sexual person. Um, Mike probably feels it more than you do. But. I thought you were going to say Mike knows. You're kind of gesturing towards it. Mike knows this about me. No, I, I'm a very sexual There's lots person. of stories I haven't heard about the uh, two of you, apparently. Uh, just throw Bruce Let's in hear there them. No, measure. I'm here for it. Yeah. Today's episode is sponsored by Aaliyah Solomon Photography. Aaliyah was born in the Annapolis Valley right here in Nova Scotia and has since spent her time between Halifax, Paris, Toronto, and Montreal. She graduated from Nova Scotia College of Art and Design University, where she decided her goal would be to start her own magazine based on art, fashion, and travel with a focus on visuals. This magazine now exists. Here and There magazine has become an international publication, highlighting stories with contributors from around the world. We've worked with Aaliyah on a number of occasions and can speak to her unique touch, sense of humor, and love for the arts. She's a wizard with capturing an experience through drone shots, portraits, and clever camera angles. Follow Elias Solomon Photography in Here and There magazine on Instagram. What transpired over the course of that year was I actually, I dreaded like that call where it's like, hey, I'm going to be ovulating tomorrow. Make sure you don't masturbate tonight. And I'm like, oh God, here we go again. Mm-hmm. And when we got that positive response, it was like, oh my God, like this is, and we called everybody instantly. We were pregnant for five minutes <laughs> and we called. What are you we, supposed to wait? Like three months or something? Yeah, supposed well, to, but I, I think that's an old wives tale. And I understand some people want to do that. They might've had, you know, an unsuccessful pregnancy, which is devastating. And, and they might've had a, a bad experience and they, you know, the, the term wait three months, make sure things are settled. But you know, I was looking for anything to celebrate at that point. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it was a, a, like a false positive, I was celebrating it because it, it was a step in the right direction. A new emotion to feel towards yeah. it too. Yeah. Yeah. And we had, we were so, so fortunate. We had this super smooth pregnancy. Gemma worked like up to two weeks before the baby was born. Um, we just had this like incredible birth you know we were very fortunate every step of the way and now we have Bo and Bo is just like this positive happy gorgeous bright non-stop action-packed child that like everything that we ever imagined that mm-hmm. intention that that what are you envisioning uh it, it all came true and you know I I feel so so lucky and coming on to 50 right like and, and you saying that now makes me feel good that i was able to donate a hundred dollars you know i feel like it was a worthwhile investment <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it absolutely was i wish he wasn't teething and he could be here you today. Know, I, I was like i don't know if i want to give tony anything and now now though i'm here and he's like he's a good kid like if he was a bad kid i'm like ah fuck, i shouldn't have done it <laughs> But. If he turns into an axe murderer, yeah, well, takes out Uncle Bruce first. That's fine. 
but no, we're we're just just amazed. It's an amazing story. It it really yeah. is. And now we're not we're not trying. We're not trying, but we're not not trying. Yeah. But we don't want to get hooked. Like you're enjoying your in relationship again. Enjoying in this it, way. and mm. it's it's amazing. And it was mm. funny because at three months, when Bo was three months old, I came home from work. And, um, I was on my way cause I was the only one allowed to leave the house during lockdown in Australia. And Gemma's like, what are you thinking about, you know? And I'm like, another kid fall down and hit your head. Like <laughs> we're only three months into this, like, like, oh, you're crazy. And I'm like, uh, is that the list? Okay. I'll get everything on the list. And I drive up to the grocery store and I see a newborn and I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I need another one. So we we definitely want to have more, mm. and uh, luckily the the reversal's got a lifetime guarantee on it. Uh, <laughs> Do you it have the paperwork for it? <laughs> that doctor had the smallest hands, by the way, <laughs> tiny little hands. That's perfect. Yeah, amazing, amazing. And if anyone wants to go over to Mike and Kristen's website, I'm going to post pictures of my scrotum over there, and you can see <laughs> uh, the scars. And uh, that's just what you got with a hundred dollar donation. Was, uh, yeah, that's right. I forgot that there was uh, an exchange made there. Yeah, but uh, unsolicited scroll. Yeah, we'll pull those frame, photos up. Frame picture of it in in the bathroom there. I that's didn't realize beautiful. that was Tony. Yeah, <laughs> you thought it was one of those Egyptian cats. <laughs> yeah, a sphinx. So, so how has moving to Australia been on your music career? Like you, you started the because all your other projects were a band name, and you decided to become. Myself. Tony Ronalds, straight, straight up, straight up, Tony US, Ronalds. US, you are, and I was able to work on some songs with you in a remote capacity, and you you came up with some great stuff, and Every, you started to learn production. I did, and I I took this like it was a very because I wasn't working in anything near meaningful, and music has always been the most meaningful, although you know. I've made it a lot more difficult on myself than I think I've needed to. Um, but learning those things, getting better, getting that album out. Thank you for all of your help and, uh, you for your, your patience and lending your, your amazing husband. Um, it's, it's something I've, I've never thought like, Oh, I'm going to start over in Australia. Like this is a great idea. Uh, I had one gig and then lockdown the first lockdown. Since then, I've had a couple shows here and there. I, I tend to play uh, restaurants more than stadiums. And uh, I've just started playing these like hotels, which are basically unofficial casinos. Uh, you go in and there's people laying bets and I play out on a patio. Everybody's smoking. It's like the 90s. And uh, I get to tell my inappropriate jokes and thank my life coach for his advice as he does another line of cocaine off the table. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> none for me today, Reggie. That was just like Port Hawksbury. Yeah, yeah, she's just she's some good Mulgrave hash coming through here. Um, it's it, it's very different. And at the same time, I love it. Like my gigs start at six o'clock. I'm done at nine. I'm home at 10, mm -hmm. 1030 at the latest. Like if I have to stick around and sign autographs, no, that doesn't happen. <laughs> um. Mike and I chatted earlier in preparation, knowing you were coming over today about how we've both lived in Halifax for so many years. Our audiences and networks are 
pretty consistent. We've not gone through the starting over near as many times as you had. And I find that just so fascinating that, and maybe sometimes you're more willing than others for that to be the circumstance. And sometimes you might just be thrown into it. But I've not met someone who has had these massive life changes at so many junctures in their life. And is it something that you enjoy and embrace or has this just been kind of the hand you've been dealt and you've rolled with it it's the nicest way anyone's ever said wow you've really fucked up 90 percent of your life (laughs) no it's just these why do you even keep going like obviously you're mediocre these are your words yeah these are your words (laughs) no i i thank you it's 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 a it's just something in me i i don't know if it's add or ADHD, I don't know what the the kids are calling it these days, but I I do get distracted easily. I'm not a multitasker. Mm-hmm. I'm not a multitasker. I'm either all in to something or I just can't do it. And I love music. I really do, but you know, obviously I've taken down most of my social media. I've really taken a step back and and I'm focusing on uh our son. And I'm focusing on creating a livelihood because when your rent is about 680 a week and your wife's on maternity leave, mm-hmm. is it really a good idea to be relying on live streaming to, uh, to buy groceries and, and pay rent? You guys would say, yes, that's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, you're asking someone who just quit their job yeah. and is now picking up their paintbrush. So, <laughs> and, Well, it, it, and I would say that Unfortunately, I'm not nearly as talented as you are. Oh, I I don't know about that, but I, I, I you're modest. We're just passing the compliments back you're, and forth you're now. You're modest. You're modest. I but, can speak for both of you here. That, uh, <laughs> we'll rock a, paper scissor for it. There's a okay. high high level of talent in front of me right now. But when when I do start over, when I do go out there, it's to me there is no time in between. You go right back, like. Tonight, I know that there's going to be some people from the kilt era. There's going to be some people from the cocaine era. There's going tonight to, when you're playing your show. Tonight when I'm playing yeah. my show, the yeah. rustic crust. Then there's going to be people from every sort of instance. And I've received a, a message from one guy, and he's coming in. And his name is Bill, and not my brother. And you know, I haven't spoken with him since a kilt show probably back in 2000. And it was, there was no time in between. We picked up that conversation. It was the very first time he had ever messaged me on social media. And we picked up right where we left off. And that's what I find is the comforting part of it is most individuals, when they come back into your life or they see you doing something, the time in between is non-existent. Mm -hmm. And you're just back at that initial meeting or the last time that you saw each other and everything's normal. Do you think that speaks to, in a way, just how music can really connect people and bring them together? I, I think it's just people in general. The yeah. music is just something that I do. If I was there to paint during your performance and I was a painter, then this person hopefully would be there to appreciate all the art that's going on. Um, I think the connection that we have is the energy of humanity this experience that we're in this time that we're given is never long enough, but 
the time in between doesn't exist. When everybody's in that room again, it's that present moment. That's all that exists. And I've been really fortunate that through music, I get to revisit and reintroduce myself and share the progression, if you will. It's a lovely way of looking back. I guess, you know, in asking you this question, it feels like it could be a scary thing to move to a new country and pick up the same career or creative outlet that you would have here. And I, again, I say that because we've been here for so long. So you, there's a little bit of that reliability that I imagine it could feel intimidating to do that. But hearing you talk about, well, yeah, but when I go back to these places, all these people from walk these walks of life that I've had still show up for you. So it's yeah. not necessarily leaving anything behind. It's just a continuation of that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cool. It very much is. And, and even in Australia, I was playing a song and I was, I sit in the corner. They tell me not to talk, just play some music. And it's very bizarre, but enjoyable somehow. And I played a great big C song. Your you know, enemies. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. No, I don't. I, 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 I was very envious of their success and yeah. the fact that they kept scratching my name off Entertainer of the Year <laughs> and, and taking it with them. You'll never beat Newfoundland in Entertainer of the Year, right? Who is, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we had that conversation, but anyway. Yeah, um, it's just, it's a known fact. Can't be Newfoundland. Um, so I played a great big Z song. This guy comes shooting across the room and he's like, was that a great big Z song? I'm like, yeah, yeah, it was. Play it again. <laughs> what? But like, just put, put that song on repeat. Is yeah. that what you like? But everyone loves it a show. He's like, no, no one else is requesting anything. I'm like, thanks for pointing that out, <laughs> asshole. Like, <laughs> but he apparently this guy had seen Great Big C in Australia. He had followed them over, which mm. you know we all love a good stalker story. Uh, followed them over to see them at a club in L.A. And he just loved Great Big C and he brought his family over to, to meet me. And he's like, oh, have you ever met them? And I'm like, have I got a story for you? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I told him about the time that Kilt opened for Great Big C. And back, we'll go full circle. So Kilt opened for Great Big C at the University College of Cape Breton. Our fiddle player was attending the University College of Cape Breton. So all of her community came out. And at the end of our set, we finished with Home for a Rest, the most popular song of all time. And we got an encore. We were opening. an opener, yeah. Yeah. Mm. And um, we're standing behind the stage. I'm draped in a Cape Breton flag as that always ends a good set. And um, I'm like, well, let's go back out. And the road manager, Tony Pitcher, uh, I don't know if we can say people's names, but he <laughs> stops me and he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, we're going back out for an encore. He's like, you're an opener. You don't get an encore. You go back out there. You're never opening for Great Big C again. And I just looked at him. I said, well, maybe they can open for me. Uh, <laughs> and yes, we Tony. went back out. We finished with Barrett's Privateers and crowd goes wild. <laughs> and one of the members of Great Big C pulls me aside. He's like, man, you got some balls. Yeah. Bud. Like, <laughs> you're never going to play with us again. I'm like, I'm okay with that. Like, wow, good for you. What's the story where you were nominated against them for Entertainer of the Year and you really thought you were going to win? Um, you were 
No, it was high. band. Band of the year. Band of the year. Yeah, group you of the year. High on some substance. Yep. Um, a group, maybe like soul soul singers of the year. Or something. It was the gospel. It gospel. Was the Nova Scotia gospel choir. They had just won an award. Just won an award, and they were seating in front of us at the East Coast Music Awards, and we were like third row back. We're all the winners, sit. And I was like, this is where this is our like I was high, and I was high enough to believe that you know. Our band was going to beat Great Big C for group of the year. And when they made the, and the winner is not killed. <laughs> and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and this lady turns around and goes like, just watch your mouth. Like, don't get upset. I'm like, what are you talking about? You fucking won. <laughs> and then like all the Nova Scotia mass choir turns around and looks at me like, what did you just say? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I didn't mean that. Like, and I just got up and I walked out. Weren't you walking out while Alan Doyle is walking to the stage <laughs> to get the award? <laughs> we a little across, high five on the way. We, we might've crossed paths. I might've shot a death stare at him. Yeah. And you know, those, those guys were great. Like Alan Doyle and, and all the great big C our manager, we ended up getting a manager even with my poor behavior and awful reputation. Um, we got this manager and he and the manager for great big C worked together at a booking agency at one point and they were good friends. Now, whenever an offer would come in for great big C that was under what they would accept as payment for their incredible performances, we would gladly take that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you only have $10,000? Oh, well, uh, yeah, sign me up. Like, we will, our manager was just like, thank you very much. And I don't know how it worked. Maybe he was giving some of his 20 points yeah. to uh, to him. But we were we were getting shows that they wouldn't accept. And I was in Newfoundland one night, and I'll never forget this. I was at a party, and I'm, I'm going to leave him unnamed. Um, but at this party, there was some drugs and this guy who happened to be in great big C pulled me aside and he's like, you don't need that. Like you, you're probably better off without that in your life. You should stay out here with me, have a couple drinks. We'll all go home. Mm. Things will be good. And I'm like, you're trying to ruin a good time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I took his advice and, uh, you know, I went home at a reasonable hour that night. And I, th I think if I would have had someone like that in my corner or like not afraid to have a little conversation with me and go like, Hey, end of the show, you go into this cage. We put that cage in the van and we'll open it back up when we get to Toronto. <laughs> yeah. That would have been probably the best for mm. me. But you think at that time in your life, you would have listened to someone like that? <laughs> oh, they all tried. Yeah. You know, but Tony fucking Ronalds, like no one's, I'm not going to listen to anybody unless it's maybe my grandmother. Yeah. You had to, you had to learn those things yourself and make that decision on your own. I did. And I've made a lot of decisions and at the end of it all, I mean, I'm, I'm just, everything plays out the way it should. I'm lucky to still be here. And I'm getting a second chance at a lot of things, music, fatherhood, ruining a new country, all, <laughs> all these things that I get to do. 
We like to ask our guests about their idea of making it. And it's an episode that Mike and I had a full discussion with one another about what that means. Do you feel at this stage in your life that you can look back and I, I hear you're saying that things were meant to unfold as they did and you have no regrets. Does that feel satisfied within you, that, that idea of making it or achieving the goals and milestones that you set out to do? Making it. Have I made it? Have you ever heard of the Granville Green? <laughs> <laughs> Have I? <laughs> um, I, I, definitely, I definitely feel that I've made it. Mm, good. I, I think I'm just overjoyed that I still get to do it and go to a place and participate in just entertaining a group of people who get together, erase the time in between, and just dive in wholeheartedly into that moment that's being created. And for me, there's no greater, you know, that's not an award. That's a privilege. Mm. And for me to be able to just sit down, break out a guitar, people can either listen or talk amongst themselves. That's making it like day in and day out. Just that ability to be with individuals that want that experience. And I don't think at 22 or 23 years old, when you're selling out, or for me personally, when I was 22 or 23 years old, selling out Horseshoe Tavern or playing at the Air Canada Center during a Raptors game or the Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts, I didn't have the ability to sit with that in the moment and go, wow, this is something that is very special because I was always, what's next? Yeah. What's, what's coming down the pipe next? And do you think that's because of age and experience that you feel that way now? Fuck you, Kristen. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna be, I'll be 40 in June, so we're both celebrating big uh, decade milestones. Wow, that's what 40 looks like. I was going to say 25. Um, Thank you. Thank you. It's, it, it is age. It is age, but I think it's also that life path circumstance. And I'm, I'm glad I'm 50. I wasn't so excited about 40, but I'm glad I'm 50. Mm. And where I am now, I didn't even have on my radar when I was 40. Like things can change in an instant. I think we all know that. We've all experienced that in the past two years. Oh, you've got a gig. No, you don't. You're going to sit at home and put a mask on and wait for the air sirens, bring out your dead, like whatever it looks like. Mm -hmm. What's going on there? We just got a parcel. Perfect. That's the fly dope, the bug dope <laughs> for Columbia. <clears throat> I hope that's under 100 milliliters. Yeah, well, don't worry. We're, we're smart travelers. Okay. Um, so for me, it is the experience. It is the age. I'm just still grateful that I have that privilege because I, I know a lot of people that don't. And even being here, you have a show this evening, not far from where we live in Upper Tantel in Nova Scotia, here visiting and touring around Canada, visiting family and friends from Australia. And so it seems like life is good for you. Life is great. Like, yeah, you get a message from 
a friend and he's like, hey, do you want a gig? And I'm like, of course I want a gig. Can I borrow a guitar? Oh, I'll get you everything you need. Like, okay, well, that's great. Yeah. And then you put the word out and then all of these different phases of your life somehow find out about it. And then it's like, well, there's only 20 seats in the, in the venue, but if you play outside, you can pack her. Like just as many people want to rock up, rock up. Like it's going to be two degrees or worse. And we're going to see how my fingers work in this. I'm more worried about my brand new guitar that you're going to be playing in well, that cold. <laughs> let's not, let's not bring a new guitar. No, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Where's the tape strat? No, we, we got, we got you covered, Tony. Uh, and, uh, I don't know how much you remember of when we first met there, but you, even in your, your state of, uh, I guess drug dependency and looking for, uh, for that next, that next hit, as they yeah. say, you, you were, uh, you were incredibly generous to, to all of us and we didn't really have anything or know anything. And, uh, you offered us, well, literal food you you cook pizzas for us every night and you uh invite us over and make us food and we'd sit there and just ask you questions about what it's like to go on tour and just how to get gigs and we'd have notebooks writing writing things down and getting contacts and, worst and, advice uh, ever <laughs> you you always every bit of advice you'd always uh give the little side note of uh what was it do as i do as i say not as i did yeah and but we but we moved beside the perfect person for us at that stage in our life and you helped us drastically and we i don't know where i'd be without you and it, it goes both ways it's so funny and i've said this i i'm sure you've heard it but you know i was following because i got out of music i was done like like the shame of of the east coast five-time east coast music award loser again congratulations you did that in one night yeah um <laughs> with with being out of it like completely out of it but still seeing mike and bruce and the town heroes like killing it and making these great albums touring like i think you guys showered at my house in in ontario when i was there there might have been a pizza. I don't know if I made pizza that day or what I made. Um, J-Rock was with you. <laughs> Some J-Guy. Um, I can't quite remember myself. Uh, you guys came to Elmira. But anyway, you know, like I was always inspired by what you were doing. And then I think the example that you guys set pulled me back into it. Because I was like, well, if they can keep doing this, like what's stopping me from like, picking up a guitar or finding a guitar player and just trying it, like see what happens. Like what's the worst that could happen? I could end up playing at a Indian restaurant in Australia, uh, for 10 people and told not to talk in between songs. There's worse things in life. eh? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, we should probably get your gig. Eh? We're, uh, oh, I'm ready. I don't want your new guitar though. No, you, you, you're playing. I played in a coal mine two weeks ago and it was oh, fine. Oh yeah. I could sit here all night and just listen to Tony's stories and also like just listen to you read the newspaper because your voice is just like butter. So, it, 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 I, I have been very lucky. My grand, But I sound just like my father. When I call my grandmother, she's like, oh, is this Jack or Tony? Mm. And um, 
I thank you. It's, it's, it's everything. Tell, like, tell her about caller ID. Which, what about it? One eight hundred. She'll eliminate the oh, question. Oh, but but I usually call my grandmother. I don't think she can look at the caller ID anymore. And it's so interesting to have like an hour long conversation with a ninety six year old lady. I'm very lucky to do that. And um, I know she doesn't hear anything that I say, but I get all the news. You know, all the news from Port Hawkesbury, um, a little bit from New Brunswick, uh, the COVID numbers. And then wraps it up with a recipe of something I'm never going to make. <laughs> Cut and paste. Brilliant. Yeah. That's what grandmothers are for. But thank you. I, I do. I, I, I've been very fortunate to have a voice. And I think that's the gift. And there was one thing that was said when I was in university. Like, we're given these gifts. And it's an actual sin to not use our gifts as they have been given to us. Mm-hmm. And... That always stuck with me. Like one of the reasons I, I, you know, started in stand-up comedy or acting, it was like, oh, well, I have a voice. Like people need to hear this for some reason. And yeah, it's so nice that you were able to see that because it can be hard sometimes to admit that, oh, this is the thing I get because it's going to create a more challenging life for me than some others. If your gift is in the creative industries and... I mean, now we see it as the gift that it is, but it takes a while, at least for me, to... Why couldn't my gift be creating social media? Yeah. Like, oh, that would have been <laughs> this all This day right. and age, you'd get all the stuff, but... Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, your voice, it feels like kind of like musk and lumberjack in oh, a bottle. Like it should be like a cologne or something. <laughs> <laughs> So stay I, tuned I was going to say the same thing. I, I thought so. <laughs> wow. You shouldn't be saying that with gym pants on, Mike. Um. <laughs> Anyways, folks, this has been a truth bomb episode. Yeah. yeah. Tony, we're so glad you could stop in here to be a part of Mike and Kristen. And uh, let's go. Let's go have a fun time at the show. Let's uh, let's just uh Create those moments that you're talking Erase about. Erase the time in between and bring everybody into the present. That's uh, we're here for it. Yeah, that's an amazing way to look at it. And uh, we're gonna use my new guitar. And if you break it, you're paying. I will. I will. Deposit. Okay. Thanks so much, folks. Thank you. Tune in uh, every Wednesday. Mike and Chris. Talk soon. <laughs>